we have been studying in the Gospel of John, and we are in the last week of, of his life, in the final days of his life. We've come to that, that place where he gives the last public discourse to the people. And from this point on, we'll continue our study in the Gospel of John, and you're going to find him speaking specifically to the disciples and ministering to the disciples. But we find in our text that we've been looking at in, in John chapter 12 that that last discourse that he gives to the public as he's ministering to them. In verse 36, he had said, while you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. It says, these things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. He calls upon the people and says, while you have the light, while he is, he's, while he is here, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Believe. Calling upon them. Believe. Believe in the light. Believe in Christ. The Messiah is there. He is here with you now. While you have the light, believe in the light. And then he departs. In verse 37, it goes from there. And it says, But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Although he had done all of these signs before them, they did not believe. They did not believe. You know, when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, sometimes you'll hear them say things like, you know, if God would just show me some kind of sign, some kind of just incredible sign, at that point, I'd believe. I've heard people say things like, I mean, if, if, if he makes lightning hit that right now, that tree right now, I'll, I'll believe at that point. He could do that, right? He could do that. He can make it so that lightning comes down and hits that right now. And I've talked with people, and I hear them say things like that. There's just so many religions. There's so many different things that people believe. I just don't know what it is that I should believe. And I don't even know if there is a God. And what if evolution is true And as, as, as far as macro evolution? What if, what if that's true? And what if we all came from, you know, nothing? What if it's all here by chance? And they start going through their reasoning for why they don't believe. If I lived in the days of Jesus, if I would have seen him, maybe I would have believed at that point. But we find something interesting as far as when we look at Scripture and we deal with unbelief in Scripture. We find that it's not, it's not because they didn't have enough evidence. Rather, it's because their, their hearts are incredibly wicked and incredibly hard, just like it was with all of us. Every last one of us. You see that that Jesus has done incredible miracles before these people. He's, he's done things like taking lame people and made them able to walk. Taking people who were blind, that had been blind from birth, and he makes them able to see. He takes lepers, and he takes these that, that have been the outcasts of society, boils all over their bodies or their skin falling off or losing their fingers or their toes or their nose or their ears as is so common with that particular disease. 
and he heals them completely. He makes them, he makes them whole. He, he makes mute people able to speak, and he makes deaf people able to hear. He, he controls the wind, and he controls the sea. They saw it. They saw him turn water into wine or multiply fish and loaves to feed 5,000 men as well as all the women and the children. He, he tells people their thoughts. You're thinking this. You've had this many husbands. The man you're living with now is not your husband. I perceive that you're a prophet. I mean, you see it all over the place where he tells them this is what you're thinking this is what you were doing under that tree. He gives them details that, that, that they look upon and they see the things that he's done. He causes people who are dead to rise again from the dead. Even when they're at the point of, of decomposing and stinking. He rises them from the dead. And countless other miracles as well. Nevertheless, they did not believe it wasn't a matter of lack of evidence or not having enough, enough information to come to a point of, of believing. It has everything to do with the fact that their hearts are incredibly hard. I, I, I'm sure that many of you have found yourself in the situation where you're, you're witnessing to somebody and they begin to ask questions and you answer their questions and there's answers that are just irrefutable. I, I, I can think of times of, of ministering the gospel to someone, and they're like, well, you've destroyed every argument that I have. I just don't want to believe. You see people where you go through and you point them to Scripture, and you, be able to, you, you show them, like, this is, this is God's word. This is what he says. You take them to the precious word of God, and you, you point them to God's plan of redemption for mankind, and you start from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and you can just walk them through the Old Testament. You can walk them through everything that's taken place and point them to Christ who is to come. You can show them prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that's been given, even hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of years before Jesus came. And you can show them in the New Testament where it came about spot on exactly as they had said, things that, you know, they're just not possible to plan. You don't plan where you're going to be born. Not possible. You don't plan how you're going to die. You don't plan crucifixion before crucifixion was ever invented. You can't plan these kinds of things. And yet you go through scripture and you just find it over and over and over again. Incredible details of what was going to happen. Incredible details of, of Jesus' life and, and how many pieces of silver he's betrayed for. And all that is given in scripture, you, you, you see it all. And yet you'll find people still at a place of, I don't believe and as we look at this, the problem is not with the evidence. The problem is with the heart. We're told here, although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. They did not believe in him. From there, we look at the text as it goes on, and, and he says that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, saying, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
See, they did not believe that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which said, Lord, who has believed our report? Turn with me to Psalm 53 for a moment. I'm sorry, Isaiah 53. You look in Isaiah 53, and this is where that particular quotation comes from. Where he says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of, or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silence, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's put him to grief. And when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his, in his, in his hand. Now you look at this and just those verses to begin with. So the Holy Spirit's inspiring John to write these things as he's seen these things, saying, these people saw all these signs, yet they didn't believe, so that what Isaiah said would be fulfilled, saying, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? They don't believe, but it's fulfilling what it said there in Isaiah 53. Now just just think about this. This This is written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. Hundreds of years before. They're looking and thinking, Messiah is going to come and he's going to rescue us. The people of this day are looking saying, Messiah is going to come and he's going to rescue us from these Romans. He's going to make it so he sets up his kingdom now. And, and, and they're looking for this one who is going to come and make their lives more comfortable. And yet, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, it was written by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53 Who has believed our report? Or to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm, the strength, the miracles, all of these things from the Lord. To whom has it been revealed? And then it just goes through and just describes the crucifixion. It goes through in just incredible detail and just says, here's what's going to happen. They're not going to go after him. He's going to be rejected by the people. The plan of Jesus being rejected by the people is given hundreds of years beforehand. It's not, gosh, why aren't you believing? There's all of these miracles. There's all that's taken place. How come you guys don't get it? God's just showing this is where their hearts are at. This is how wicked their hearts are. And not only that, but 
All of these miracles could be done, and yet they are not going to believe the report that's given. They're not going to believe when they see the arm of the Lord, when they see these miracles, they are not going to believe. They are going to reject him. It goes through, I mean, without a doubt, Isaiah is talking about Christ. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. It goes through, by his stripes we are healed. And you just imagine the cat of 39 tails coming, or cat of of nine tails coming upon Jesus' back 39 times with these lashes coming upon him just as it took place in the crucifixion. You go through the details here as far as he opened on his mouth and we see that before those that were accusing him, he opened on his mouth. He was quiet. You see that he goes from there to, to, to deal with even how it is that, that he would go to his grave, that he would, he would, they would made his grave with the wicked. Two thieves, one on each side of Jesus as he's there on the cross. But at the rich, at his death, as they take the body of Jesus and they take the rich man's tomb and place Jesus in the rich man's tomb. All of the details are given there. And yet Jesus is saying, they don't believe the report. I mean, you can sit here this morning and just go through the life of Jesus only looking at, at Isaiah 53 and looking at this particular chapter and look and say, how? I mean, that's like, I feel like I'm, I'm reading it from the New Testament from an eyewitness account of what's taking place. I mean, it just gives incredible details of the crucifixion. Without a doubt, this is Christ. Without a doubt, this is looking ahead to Christ who was to come. You don't get to decide that you're going to have two thieves on each side of you when you die. You don't get to decide that you're going to be buried in a rich man's tomb. You just don't get to decide these things. That, that's evidence enough. And yet, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Isaiah the prophet to write these things, referring to Christ who was to come, saying, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That is what is going to happen. It was fulfilled. Then in verse 39, it goes from there and says, Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. It's an incredible passage before us. You put yourself in John's place as he's writing these things. Here's this Jewish man looking for the Messiah to come, finds Christ, watches the life of Christ, sees all that occurs, and he says, you know when Isaiah was saying these things about Christ and and the Messiah to come in Isaiah 53, when when God was saying these things in in Isaiah 6, it, it was talking about Christ. It was talking about Christ who was to come. You notice there in verse 41, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Let's turn there to Isaiah 6. If you go back some chapters, there in Isaiah chapter 6. It's an incredible proclamation of the deity of Christ. John's saying as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, when Isaiah was saying those things in Isaiah 6, it was talking about Christ. He was describing Christ. Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I saw the Lord, high and lifted up the train of his robe. It just fills the temple. 
majesty. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The most incredible scene in the Old Testament as far as seeing the Lord of hosts. Isaiah being taken to a place of, hey, the, it was in the year that the king, king Uzziah died, and now there's this, this new king, and who's on the throne, and what are we going to do? Now we got this young king in his 20s, and, and Uzziah was a, a king that lived for, or reigned for, for decades and decades and decades, and now we have this new king, and here God brings Isaiah to see the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe is just filling the temple with glory. And there's these beings, these seraphim with these six wings, and you just see this incredible thing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and, and this picture that Isaiah is recording that all of the Jews would have read and looked upon and said, like, what an incredible picture of the God of this universe. Train of his robe filling the temple. Praise that's going forth onto him. You can't even approach him because we're people of unclean lips and we dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. And, and you see this, the one seraphim flew to me and having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the, with, with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, he's touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. And then you hear the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he said, here I am, send me. And then from there, God's go and tell the people this. But specifically, it goes from that point to keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, lest their ears, they hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. So the, the quote that we find here in John chapter 12 comes from Isaiah chapter 6. And John's saying, they don't believe. They could not believe. Because he's blinded their eyes, he's hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Now, this is an interesting passage to most of us because most of us will read something like this and say, okay, okay, so what? What's going on here? I mean, God's saying that he makes them blind he hardens their heart notice before though as we've started our study it said although he had done so many signs before them they did not believe in him he had done all of these signs before them nevertheless they did not believe you you remember right before that where he says while you have light believe in the light that you may become sons of the light believe 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 Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see that calling to believe. And yet, first with the responsibility of man, you find that they just reject him completely. All of these signs are done, and yet their hearts are so wicked. Their hearts are so full of sin. They love darkness so much more than the light. They hate the light because they're 
deeds are evil, we're told, that they're just, they're running in the direction opposite of God. They hear these things and they just run in the direction opposite of him. They see all of these things. They see the signs. They can read the prophecies. They can see all that God has done and yet they run opposite of him. And it's not because there's not enough information. It's because they hate the light. God makes that so clear in scripture. Their deeds are evil. Their hearts are hard. They've rejected him. They don't seek after him. And yet what you find here is that our passage says, from that point, God blinds their eyes. He hardens their heart, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that he should heal them. God does that to them now. Further judgment that comes upon them is just further blindness, further hard hearts. When you're reading a a passage like that, God help us not to change it and make it softer. How do you soften that up? I mean, how do you, we'd bring such disregard for God's word if we said, well, it doesn't really mean, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that God actually hardens hearts. It doesn't mean that he actually makes people further blind. It it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. It, It doesn't mean so they won't turn. It does mean that. It says that. It says that. I read through that, and I read through it over and over and over again. And as I did, my mind went to a place of, I'm so thankful for God's grace in my life. When the question starts by saying, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? My response was, I do. I believe the report. I believe that Isaiah 53 is talking about Christ. I believe that. I believe the details there. I believe that he was bruised for me, for my iniquities. I believe that it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put my sin upon him so that I could become his people, so I could become righteous, so that my sins could be washed away. I believe that. I believe it's giving details of the crucifixion. I believe that he's my Messiah. Who's believed the report and, and, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's been revealed to me. I look at these miracles. You look at these miracles, don't you? And you look and you say, that's, He did these things. Who else could do these things? Clearly, he did these things. Everybody knew he did these things. Even the religious leaders at that time knew that he had done these miracles. They just attributed it to Satan, power of Satan. I know he rose again from the dead. I know he appeared before all those people. I know that 3,000 people came to know him. I know that the disciples died for their faith in him. Because of the resurrection, because they saw him. I know that they were doubting, but yet he graciously came to them and they believed and they responded by saying, my Lord and my God. I know that. I look and I see it. I see all the prophecies and I look and I just think like, how do you not believe in this? Clearly Christ is the Messiah. Clearly he's died on the cross for my sins. Clearly I'm saved by faith alone in him and it's not by my works. It's not by anything good that I could do. It's only by faith in him. He's made me who was blind able to see. He's made it so that there's nothing I desire in all the earth besides him. I love him. There's joy that comes in worshiping him. 
My hope is in the gospel. My hope is in Christ and him crucified just like it is for most of the people here in this congregation this morning. And so when we look at this and it says, Lord, who has believed our report? I hope and pray that your response is, I do. I do. That's me. I do. And you go from there and it says, he's blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. And I look at that and I just think, but no, I, I see with my eyes. I mean, I, I, like most of you, were going in a direction totally opposite of Christ, not wanting anything to do with the things of, of Christ and the sweetness of the Holy Spirit drew me unto him, called me to him, regenerated me, made me who had blind eyes able to see the gospel, showed me my sin, showed me my need of a savior, and he saved me. And so you read that and you just think, okay, so I understand. I've been able to see. I understand the gospel, and I've turned. I hate my sin. I want to pursue him. I want to follow him. I want to live from him. All of my hope is in him. And then it says, lest I should heal them. And I find myself, rather than reading it, going like, what? He hardens hearts. He makes people blind so that he won't heal them. I... I I'm so thankful that I'm on the other side of that, just like every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is here this morning on the other side of that, saying, I believe the report. I've turned. I follow him. He's healed me. I was once blind. I'm not blind anymore. I understand the gospel. My hope is in him. To where there's this incredible excitement as far as, I love his grace. I was dead in my sins and trespasses, yet he made me alive in Christ. There's none that seek after him. There's not any of them. Yet he drew me unto himself. And he drew you unto himself. But to think that there could be somebody here this morning where they're like, don't believe. Still don't believe. What a warning this is to you this morning. That God, in his judgment upon you, even as you walk out of this place, could blind your eyes even further, harden your heart even further, lest you would turn to him. You leave this place just further dead in your sins to where his judgment has come upon you, to where you have hurt and you have hurt, and there's this hardness of your heart and hardness of your heart and blindness that you've done and hatred towards him and rejection of him to where you've seen all these things and yet you love the darkness rather than the light and God just says, I'll blind you further, I'll harden you further, you will not turn. What a fearful, fearful thing that text is. I don't want to take away from any of it, nor should I. As we go through God's word and look and search through it, this is what he said. And here's, here's John just saying, this is all being fulfilled. 
And these things that Isaiah said, he said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. He said these things when he was seeing the glory of Christ in that temple with that temple filled with his robe and the glory. And when those seraphim were coming and saying, holy, 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 they were saying it to Christ. I mean, what an incredible picture of the deity of Christ here. Then in verse 42, it says, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now that's all we're told here in this particular text. And and so you may come to the place where you think, well, are they saved? I'm not totally sure. And you, you, you find him saying there's those that were the rulers that believed in him. Maybe they told their buddy Nicodemus. I believe, but I'm just scared. Um, they believe. But the Holy Spirit inspires John to write, they believed. But because of the Pharisees, because of the religious leaders, they didn't confess him. They wouldn't say that they were believers. Because they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. They knew that if they said, I'm a believer in Christ, it's going to radically impact their lives. They can't go to worship. They're, they're leaders. They're, they're, they're people that, that are the elite in, in Israel, and they're going to be put out of the synagogue if they say, hey, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But the Holy Spirit inspires John to write that the reason that that took place was because the reason that they didn't confess him was because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Or that word praise can also be translated glory. They love the glory of men more than the glory of God. They love that more. They loved, they loved the way that the people made them feel more than they loved the glory of God. They loved that more. I find that with people where... Maybe their whole family is another religion. The idea of being cast out from them, it's too hard to, to bear. I, I, I had a good friend who came from a Muslim family, only son in a Muslim family, and his response, his response to me was, if I don't reject Christ, I'll lose the entire inheritance I, I get the majority because I'm the son and his family is wealthy. I'll lose everything if I'm a Christian. It'll all go to my sister. And he walked away. Loving the things of this world more than, than God. Not willing to confess him. And the reason why I say I'm not sure whether he's a believer, these, these people are believers or not, I, I think of Luke chapter 12 where it says in verse 8, Jesus says, also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, will confess before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Or Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it? To a man, if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So it could be that these guys later on became believers and later on confessed Christ, but at this particular time, they're cowards. At this particular time, they 
they love the glory of men or the praise of men more than the glory of God. Isaiah describes Christ in Isaiah chapter 6, and John's just saying they love what people think of them more than they love the one who's in the temple high and lifted up and his train of his robe is filling the temple with glory. They love the way people think of them more than, than God. Regardless, I pray that we would never fall into that. Never come to a place of like, oh, I just don't, I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want people to think I'm some kind of Jesus freak or something. I don't want, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be quiet about my faith because I care so much about what people think rather than the glory of God. I want praise from men rather than caring more about glory, the glory of God. What a rebuke of these people. They believed. They wouldn't confess him. They didn't want to be cast out of the synagogue. And they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. From there in verse 44 it says, Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And we come to these last verses. Jesus is saying, I'm here. And whoever sees me has seen the Father. I do those things that always please the Father. The things that I speak are coming from the Father. When you don't believe in me, you're not believing in the Father. When you reject me, you're rejecting the Father. I didn't come at this time to judge the world, and we know that there will come a time where he will judge the world, his second coming. At this particular time, he's coming to bring everlasting life, but there will come a day where Second Peter tells us in chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and both the earth and its works that are in it will be burned up. There is coming a time when judgment will come upon the earth in his second coming, but he came the first time to save came the first time to be the Messiah of Isaiah 53, to save, to lay down his life for us. And so the Lord would call upon you to believe while there's still time, while he's still there, believe. Prior to hardening your hearts, Prior to judging you and making you further blind, he calls you to believe. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for somebody or multiple people in this congregation. That today would be the day that rather than further blinding you or further hardening you, 
He causes you to see and he causes your heart to be soft and the Holy Spirit speaks to you so mightily that you just look and say, I need a redeemer. There's none in all the earth I desire to follow but him. I need salvation. I need forgiveness of sin. I need a savior. And for us as believers, I I go back to that little phrase that came as that man saw someone hanging there and being judged where he said but by the grace of God go I if it, if it wasn't for God's grace I would be further blind further hardened I'd go to the grave still dead in my sins and yet we believe this report don't we we've seen it as miracles We're not blind. We understand he has healed us. He has healed us. He has made us his people. And it's praiseworthy for us. Let's close in prayer and then we'll invite Pastor Bill to come up and lead us in communion. Lord God, we love your word this morning and we're so thankful for it. May the power of those words that Isaiah spoke hundreds and hundreds and at this time thousands of years ago just pierce our hearts bringing some here to salvation on this morning at the same time causing us who are saved to just oh to praise you for your grace and the sweetness of your Holy Spirit to make us who are dead alive we're so thankful for the gospel and we're so thankful that it comes by faith our salvation comes by faith in you And may the greatness of our salvation and the greatness of our Savior, your majesty, your kindness, your grace that you've poured upon us, cause us to just praise you with all that is within us on this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name.